Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. But now that you have me, like if something happens to you, seriously, I'll help your daughter. Hi guys, welcome back to Feathers in My Hair. How are we this week? Uh, Thanks so much to everyone who reached out last week about my friend Allison that died. It was really nice to hear from all of you. Your words were really, really nice. Yeah, I just just appreciated it. I'm still going through it, but, you know, life goes on. There's not much that when someone dies, you just have to keep pushing through. So, yeah. Uh, This week, there were two Teen Mom episodes, but here's the deal. I did not watch two Teen Mom episodes. It's a lot to take notes on two episodes and recap two episodes at once. So I just did the first episode. And yeah, uh, maybe if I watch the second episode, well, I will watch the second episode. But if I feel really compelled to speak on it, I will speak on it in the next episode next week. But the reality is, is that it's just... I can't, like, watch and recap two episodes of Teen Mom a week. It's just too much. Like, the show's not interesting enough for me to do that. I know what happens in the second episode because I'm obsessively reading about Teen Mom, but I just didn't watch it. Oh, and huge news. On Monday night, I think at 11, that's tomorrow if you're listening to this on Sunday, they are doing Janelle Evans' X-Files, which I will 100% be covering for this fucking episode. By this episode, I mean this show. I will absolutely be covering that. I hope it's funny, awful, being Nathan levels. Being Nathan is my gold star Teen Mom special, and I expect everything to be that good now, and nothing ever is. So we shall see, but let's hope for the best. So not a ton happened this week in the Teen Mom universe, although Janelle Evans... (laughs) This is not a ton. Janelle Evans called the police on Barbara... And said that Barbara was hitting Jace. And I guess the police investigated and found nothing and the case was closed. And I'm assuming this is just Janelle's way of trying to get custody back. I shouldn't use the word back because she never really had custody. But trying to get custody of Jason any way she can. And it's sad and pathetic. And I really hope for Jace's sake that he's not being hit by Barbara. But I will say, like, would I be shocked to find out that Barbara hits her kids? Like, no. Look at her fucking grown kids. They're all wild animals. I wouldn't be surprised at all to find out if she is uses physical discipline with her kids. But Janelle going to the police is... It's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a lot for me, personally. And I would hope for all of you, too. <laughs> So, I did, I like this episode. Like, I am running a Mackenzie Edwards fan podcast now. I'm thinking of changing feathers in my hair to make OG great again via Mackenzie Edwards. She has revolutionized Teen Mom OG for me. Teen Mom OG was always my least, my least favorite out of the two. So, least is probably a weird word to use there. 
but I never cared much for Teen Mom OG. It was always boring to me. The drama was never there for me. Teen Mom 2, like, was far and away better than OG. And now I'm, like, so fucking deep into the Ryan and Mac drama. I I feel like I'm on cloud nine. I see people hating on her. And it's like, yeah, we hate her. That's the point. She's the villain. You know, with Matt leaving, I was, like, really concerned that we wouldn't have a villain. I just wasn't sure what they would do without Matt. And the team mom gods looked on me and said, God provides. And now we have Mac. And she is a fucking lunatic. And Ryan is a lunatic. And I love to watch them. This is what I'm here for. To watch garbage people being absolute monsters. I don't give a fuck about parenting how people are growing, um, if they're doing well in their lives. I'm not watching reality TV for that. If I want to, like, find out about how someone who's having difficulty parenting is doing, like, I'll call one of my friends that has a kid because raising kids is hard and they're all having difficulty. You know, I'll I'll go see it in my IRL. On TV, I just want to see lunatics being lunatics. And if that is not Mackenzie and Ryan Edwards, then I don't know what is. We haven't seen Ryan this, like, alive and willing to fight in years. Mac is on just such another level, I'm not even sure what to do with her. Like, where where did this girl, I want to say woman, but she, I think is, I don't know, I can't figure out. Some websites say she's currently 20, some websites say she's currently 21. So she's either 20 or 21. I just can't. I can't believe we were blessed with her. You know, she looks to be 45. She is so codependent, I can't even stand it. And she's dumb, but thinks she's smart. And personally, there's nothing that I enjoy more in a reality TV star than someone who is a dum-dum and has no awareness of it. You know, someone, this is going to sound so rude, but I feel like at least like Chelsea and Kate, like they kind of know they're not the brightest and they don't think of themselves as like being smarter than the viewer and Mac absolutely does and I I just love that I just just love that so let's get into the episode I'm going to start today with Farah now you guys heard the little thing that I played at the beginning what the fuck was this episode with Farah who the fuck is Megan Megan and the Maserati, who was that? Can someone explain to me? At first, I thought it was just like a random real estate agent, but then I realized this must be someone that she met in LA, maybe through Simon or something, and so they consider each other to be friends. <laughs> I don't I don't know. That was that was so weird. I can't even it was so weird. Megan was so weird. But uh, Farrah is moving to LA and her house is renting in Austin. So she had to move in with Michael. And I don't really understand this. I get why she probably couldn't get a rental house because of her fucking horse. Just get rid of the horse, Farrah. Get rid of the horse. And apparently she has six dogs. Who? How? What? Why is there no like animal, animal licensing committee? In which, like, if you want to have more than two to three dogs, you need to, like, go see the mayor of the town and he can approve for you if you're allowed to have more than two or three dogs. 
How on earth can Farrah handle six dogs and a fucking horse? How? How is that possible? Michael lives in a cute but very small ranch house because he just lives there with his girlfriend or fiance. They have one and a half bathrooms. Like, it's just a cute, probably little two or three bedroom house. There is no room. Farrah's shit is everywhere. The whole fucking garage on his couches. Okay, first of all, Farrah wants us to believe that she's like this superstar moneymaker, business mogul. Like, could the bitch not get a storage unit? I understand if she is planning to move to LA, and also I'm assuming this is right before, because she talks about going out of the country. This is right before that, like, uh, single UK show that she was on for MTV UK with uh, one of the uh, queens from Drag Race was on it, and they, like, went all over Europe to, like, find a match. Some dating show that I didn't watch because I don't live in Europe. But I'm assuming Sophia was going to stay with Michael anyway, regardless of, like, what Fair's housing situation was. But, like, why would you not get a storage unit? Like, you're telling me that Farrah can't afford $150 a month so she can store all her shit? Like, it, Michael does not have the space to store it. To store it. And it looks awful. And Michael is just being his normal pushover self where he, you can tell he's, like, upset and uncomfortable. And he even says, like, it's getting my OCD going. But he's like... But it's fine. Michael lets Farrah walk all over him because of guilt towards her childhood. And it's it's not a good look. And that's one, But also, that's the reason why they have a close relationship. Because Michael lets her do and say whatever he, she wants. And he never fights back against her. And then everything's great. And nobody questions her. And she can just run the house. She's running Michael's house even though she doesn't live there. So Farrah is going to move to LA. And she needs to get a house. Before Sophia starts school and basically wants to pick the house and close on it before she goes to Europe. So once she gets back from Europe, they can just move before Sophia goes to school. I guess at this point, Sophia was not going to be homeschooled because I think I've discussed on here. Farrah is now homeschooling Sophia so that she can be an actress and model. Which, as far as I'm concerned, is educational abuse. Um, I just find it very hard to believe that Sophia is getting the quality of education that she deserves from homeschooling. I don't think necessarily Farrah's teaching her, but even with a tutor, I just, I don't see how this is possibly in Sophia's best interest. Sophia, I, I will say though, Sophia's like really growing into her looks and is starting to look very beautiful, but I just don't think she's a star. I've definitely voiced that before on this show, so it's probably not controversial to any of you, but that little girl just does not have charisma. She just doesn't have it, which is fine. Who has? I mean, I feel like on one hand that's like mean to say, but on the other, like 98% of people don't have it. <laughs> it's not an insult on Sophia. I was not a child actress model because I didn't have it. Most people are not child actress models or adult actress models because they just don't have whatever it is to be one and I just don't think Sophia has it I don't really know if any of the teen mom kids anybody asked me like which teen mom kid should be a model or actor I would say maybe hmm I know everyone's gonna be like it's Addie but I don't know I don't think so personally I don't really think any of the kids scream like none of them are Maddie Ziegler if you will you know I just, these aren't the dance mom kids. (laughs) 
There's no JoJo in the group. By the way, it's, like, insane that JoJo really got famous from, like, having cute bows. Do you do you guys watch Dance Moms? <laughs> you guys keep up with Dance Moms? I mean, I'm laughing, but, like, if you watch Teen Mom but are like, no, I don't watch Dance Moms, like, then you should reflect on your life and your positions because Dance Moms, the first few seasons, is an incredible show and the level of abuse towards children is exactly the same as Teen Mom saw any better or any worse and abby lee miller's social media accounts while she's in prison are so fucking funny whoever she has running them is so funny on instagram the other day she posted tonight's movie dear zachary not dear zachary or the life whatever movie that maddie was in was what they were watching in prison and she like posted like a huge picture of maddie and said that they were watching in prison that night which is honestly like top-notch humor abby can tell a joke or whoever's running abby's uh social media can tell a joke but anyway back to teen mom so let sophia stay in school sophia does not need to be a model slash actress slash youtube star i mean you guys have watched her youtube videos right that little girl cannot speak Oh, that's another thing. Like, if Sophia's being homeschooled, I'm so... I'm, like, genuinely concerned about Sophia's speech. I don't think... I don't know if the adults aren't talking to her enough or they're only talking to her in baby voice. Which, by the way, I'm not one of those people that's, like, anti-baby voice. I think it's fine to, like, talk to babies and small children in baby voice. But Sophia's speech, it's not right. It's, It's really... It just doesn't sound correct. You know, she... I mean, listen to Leah talk in this episode, although Leah's always always had what I think is pretty advanced speech, but listen to Leah talk versus Sophia talk because they're pretty close in age, or Bentley, you know, they're like nine years old at this point, eight or nine years old, like they should be having full conversations with you. I babysat for an eight-year-old last night, super cute kid. He's in third grade, so maybe he's a year older than Sophia, but there was never any trouble understanding him. We had full conversations. We did, he like wanted to do math with me. We played board games. Like we, he's a human, like he, not an adult, but he's like a kid. You, you should not, a second grader, you should not be having issues like having a conversation with them or understand, understanding what they say. And I think Sophia is speech delayed, which is fine. As I have shared on here, I have a terrible speech impediment as a child. I was my speech therapist's youngest ever client. This was in 1990. I think I started going when I was two before everybody and their mother went to like, you know, I think all the kids these days go to like speech therapy or occupational therapy. I'm under the impression that every single child is like in some sort of developmental therapy, which I think is great. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having extra resources and extra tools for your child. I think that's actually awesome. And so I started going to speech therapy when I was two and went until I was about 10. I did eight years of speech therapy. (laughs) My brother was going to speech therapy because he made up his own language because he's so smart. My brother is extremely, extremely smart. He works for Microsoft. He is just very successful and smart and (laughs) always has been very smart but, like, was refusing to learn English when he was four (laughs) and um, made up his own language that even, like, my mom couldn't understand. Like, you know how twins make up their own language for each other? Well, I guess my brother just, like, had one for himself. (laughs) So he started going to speech therapy. (laughs) 
<laughs> he had a little speech impediment too. He's still a mumbler, which drives me crazy. But um, so, so my mom was picking up my brother and the speech therapist heard me speaking and was like, that is one of the worst speech impediments I've ever heard on a two-year-old. Like she needs to be in speech therapy now so we can correct it. And thank God, because I could not say my R's for really probably until I was eight or nine years old. I couldn't say the letter R. And it's crazy that I have a podcast now. (laughs) So this is not me like hating on Sophia for having a speech impediment. I don't even know if it's a speech impediment or she's speech delayed or what the issue is. But if you watch her YouTube videos, it's like alarming. She talks like a small baby. And it's so weird because she, on one hand, Farrah seems to do this thing where she like assigns all baby characteristics to Sophia, where she like talks to her in this baby voice and treats her like a baby, but then also is, like, telling Sophia, like, you're the boss of your store, you own your own boutique, like, you don't need to go to school because you're a model slash actress, and it's just, like, I think that's probably very confusing for Sophia. I think Sophia is, like, the most confused child to ever exist. I think I would be. I can't imagine the back and forth she sees between Farrah and Deb, and even Farrah and Michael sometimes, and Michael and Deb. I just... I feel for her. I really feel for her. I wish that Farrah would move to LA and leave Sophia and Austin and let, you know, like pay for her private school and let Michael raise her. Now, do I think Michael's a great dad? No. No, I don't. But I don't think Michael is going to be, you know, forcing a YouTube career on little Sophia. By the way, in retrospect, it's kind of crazy that Michael and Deborah even allowed Farrah to go on 16 and pregnant. I just, would you let your child go on 16 and pregnant? I don't think I ever would let my kid go on reality TV. It's, Molly Macleer and I were having a conversation this week because I'm watching the show Polyamory and Dating, uh, which is like five or six years old at this point. It was on Showtime and it's just about poly people, but it's basically softcore porn And we were talking about the fact that, like, their parent, the people's parents came on the show and, like, I wonder how much they knew. Like, if they knew that it would be scenes of their children, like, having graphic sex, like, graphic, graphic sex, like, full-on Showtime sex, penetration, like, fingering, oral, like, you see everything on this show. If they knew that they would see that right before, like, the scene of the kid coming to see them. And... It just reminds me, like, I will never sign a reality TV release because you just don't know what you're getting into. And so I don't think I would ever let my kid go on any sort of reality TV, and I would never let my kid go on um, Teen Mom or 16 and Pregnant. I just, I really, it just is crazy. So I don't even know where we were, but we're back. The realtor picks Fair up. I don't understand if they're friends, and she starts off right away by just straight up insulting Farrah. She was like, you told me where all these houses are and they're all over the place and they make no sense and they're in terrible neighborhoods, (laughs) which is why I'm assuming this is like somebody that she's friends with and not necessarily just a real estate agent because I was like, wait, why? She just insulted the shit out of her. (laughs) It was very weird. And... She's like, you have to live in Beverly Hills. You have to live in Beverly Hills. And I'm thinking, can Farrah afford to live in Beverly Hills? <laughs> I think Farrah's going to have to be deep in the valley. I understand Austin has an up-and-coming real estate market, but 
I don't know how she could possibly get her, um, how she could possibly get her standard of living in L.A. I just don't think Beverly Hills is where Fair is going to end up. So we see them go look at a house and it's really cute. But the, <laughs> the real estate agent lets her know that she's going to be her best friend. And Farrah lets us know that she cut Deb out of her will, which is great. You know, I don't blame her. Look, but I did think it was very fucking weird. The why Farrah said that she cut her out of her will. Because, well, also, like, I'm not sure if when she says cut out of her will, if she means money or if she just means, like, she made it so that Michael will get Sophia. Because she said, God forbid, Sophia go live with fake, unloyal people. Why does Farrah describe people the way that she does? I do, why, why is she constantly talking about fake and unloyal people? Like, what does that mean, Farrah? It's so fucking weird. She never says, I just don't like David. He's mean. He makes me feel uncomfortable. Like, she says he's fake and disloyal. Like, I, those are, I don't know. Those are her favorite words to describe him, and it's just so weird. And Megan says, as I played at the clip at the beginning of this episode, here's the thing. Now that you have me, if something happens to you, I'll help your daughter. <laughs> and Megan just like, or Fair is like laughing. I can't tell if Fair is comfortable or not with Megan. <laughs> I just can't tell. They pull up to her house and Megan looks right at her and says, I'm not letting you live here. <laughs> oh, what a good real estate agent. <laughs> the house is really nice on the inside. But Farrah needs a better neighborhood, as she says. And we get one more. You're going to live in Beverly, Beverly Hills. Trust me. Uh, I, the, that real estate agent, like, make her a full-time cast number, as far as I'm concerned. She was so weird. So, Michael and his... Farrah goes back to Austin, and Michael and his girlfriend basically tell Farrah that she can stay there as long as she needs. Like, she doesn't have to rush to find a house. And that it's cool that... Farrah, Sophia, Starburst, and all seven dogs live with them in one and a half bathrooms. <sighs> then we close out with a scene of Deborah and David is moving in. And Farrah, or Deborah is like upset that Farrah won't talk to her. She doesn't know what to do. And she said it doesn't make any sense that they're living at Michael's. Like she could be here. I guess Deb still has that income property house that Farrah lived in. Like, in seasons one and two, if you'll remember, right across from uh, Deb's house, which she bitched about all the time and complained about all the time, even though she was getting to live rent-free in her own house. But, you know, you do you, Farah. And she was like, she could have had the house herself. Why is she cramped up in Michael's house? Which, you know, not an unreasonable question. But, say la vie, I guess. Okay, let's go to the best part of the episode, which is Ryan's early graduation from rehab. Now, we need to talk about how insane that is. That's not a thing that happens. Here's how rehab works. Usually you go to detox. Well, it depends. So some places you go right, you go to a detox facility and you stay there from anywhere from three to ten days, depending on how much medicine you need and your insurance. Uh, some places the detox is part of the facility, 
that the rehab facility, so like where I went to detox, it was part of the rehab I went to. They just had like a detox wing, but we all kind of intermingled, but the detox people didn't necessarily have to go to as many groups. You were allowed to sleep more. Um, they would like turn off the TV during groups so you couldn't just be watching TV, but like if you didn't feel well, you could just sleep in your bed all day. You didn't have to go to meetings. You could just kind of chill. Now down here in Florida, most places don't have detox because they don't keep nurses on staff and you go to detox at like a really luxe, nice place where you lay in bed and watch TV all day and then you go to your treatment center. So I'm assuming Ryan went to detox at the treatment center. Okay. So, how does rehab work? So, usually you go to detox for about, you know, anywhere from three to ten days, and then you go to your regular treatment, and that's anywhere from 20 days to a year. I mean, really, it all it all depends on where you go. But if Ryan went to, like, a standard 30-day type of place, I would guess what happened was he went to detox, and then he got moved to the regular unit, and he was there for basically two weeks because he said he was only in de- he was in detox for nine days. Now, they're trying to frame this as Ryan did so much work that they let him out early. That's not a thing. That does not happen. <laughs> the only reason you would leave rehab before 30 days is if you, one, do something called AMA, which is leaving against medical advice and you're just done. You're just, you don't want to be there anymore. You leave you're over it. Two, you get kicked out of rehab because you break the rules. You know, you get caught having sex. You do drugs, et cetera, et cetera. There are, you know, usually like quite a few rules at rehab. And they're usually pretty strict about following them. People following them because it's part of recovery that you need to learn how to follow the rules. Did he get kicked out? I don't know. And then the third way that you leave treatment before 30 days is that your insurance kicks you out. Now, some treatment centers will scholarship you for, let's say your insurance is only going to cover 21 days, the insur- the rehab will scholarship you for those final nine days um, so that you can stay there for 30 days. But not all rehabs do that. I wonder if Ryan's insurance kicked him out, but maybe MTV didn't want them talking about insurance for whatever reason, you know, the reason that it is. I don't know why they do anything, but if you'll notice, we never, they like never talk about money on Teen Mom in almost any way, shape, or form. Even like these houses that Farrah was looking at, did we get any sort of price tag on them? I really don't think we did. I just don't think they like, even though they've broken the fourth wall, I don't think they like to remind us of how much money these uh, people make. And also maybe they just don't, I don't know. So I wonder if Ryan's rehab cut him off after 21 days. And it was time for him to go. So our first scene is Macy and Bentley playing. And Bentley is like a little Ryan. They're playing Connect Four. It's pretty cute. And then Macy's like, all right, time to go do your chores. And this is foreshadowing for the rest of the episode. And Bentley doesn't want to do it. And she's like, because you have to have responsibility. Now, I'm sure the chores are like picking up his room, mowing the lawn, like kid shit. I mean, I grew up with parents that were pretty lax about a lot of things but even we had chores I mean we didn't have like a chore list with like set assigned chores but we were expected to keep our rooms clean to clean up after ourselves to do our own dishes like after I think when I was like 13 I started to do my own laundry um because 
I was really demanding of my mom. And she's like, if you want clean clothes, you can do them yourself. So we were just expected to pick up after ourselves. We were, in my house, they weren't really called chores. Like, my mom was never like, go do your chores. But it was like, you had to go clean the basement. Um, you know, go dust. Help me dust. It was never like, I had friends that had like assigned chores. And I'm guessing maybe that's what Benny has. But it's not unreasonable for you to have to do your have your kids do chores. It's good for them. Kids who don't have chores are bad kids, as Ryan lets us know. She does say Bentley is like a little Ryan, which I feel like, okay, she's always said that to Bentley, and the fact is he does look like Ryan with lighter hair, and he'll like do faces that look like Ryan, but considering the place that Ryan's in, and I would assume Bentley has to know something's going on with Ryan, and that Macy is not happy with Ryan, because, you know, he's eight years old, he has to like have some sort of awareness of that, that maybe she should stop telling Bentley he's a mini Ryan. (laughs) I just, I know she does not mean it insultingly, but I just feel like maybe she should stop saying that now that Ryan is doing so badly. And it, I just don't want Bentley to, like, compartmentalize that. I worry for Bentley. He's, you know, he's going to have some daddy issues. He's lucky to have Taylor, but the fact is he's got some daddy issues coming up, I think. So we see Mac's rental apartment in Dallas because don't forget, guys, Mackenzie moved to Dallas. <laughs> now, in the last episode, I said... Why are they showing us Mackenzie's rental apartment? This doesn't make any sense. Like, I thought they owned a house. Well, surprise, the reason that we saw Mackenzie's rental apartment is because this bitch moved to Dallas with Ryan. I cannot express to you guys how insane that is. I have known hundreds, maybe thousands of people throughout my life who have gone to rehab, and I have never heard of a spouse following the person to rehab. I have never heard of that. Usually what happens is some treatment facilities will have visitation like every weekend and it's like pretty casual. Like the first treatment center I went to up north, um, my mom could come like every weekend and we would just like hang out and we would eat lunch and like smoke cigarettes and just like sit outside and just spend time together. It was like an hour and a half long. It was very informal And then we had, like, a therapy session. We had one therapy session. Then, in Florida, I had another, when I went to treatment in Florida, visitation was a lot more strict. It was over, they would do one weekend a month that was family weekend, and it was, like, all of these groups. Like, it was pretty intense. But you could still, obviously, like, go out on pass with your parents and, like, spend time with them. And my, it was just a lot different. So, yeah. I don't know what the visitation was like at Ryan's treatment facility, but I find it hard to believe that any therapist or counselor would agree that this was a good decision. I find that impossible to believe. I am dying to know what Ryan's therapist had to say when he figured out that Mackenzie had fucking followed him. (laughs) Had followed him to treatment. That's so insane. I don't understand why she did that. There's no reason that she could not just fly in for one, like, family counseling session. It uh, Also, like, did her son come with her? She has a two-year-old son. I just, I don't understand any of it. Although, how could her son only be two? I think she, yeah, I guess she is 18 or 20, not 21. Okay, tangent. Um, 
So she FaceTimes her friend and she's like, Ryan's done with rehab and he's graduating early. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. And Mackenzie goes to pick him up and Ryan's out and he seems happy. And Mackenzie says, new life, new beginnings, new Ryan, which I just found depressing because that's just not how it works. There's not going to be a new life, new beginnings, new Ryan. It's still the same Ryan. Um, I think people just like don't understand that you get out of rehab and you're still the same person and you just did, in Ryan's case, 21 days. That isn't going to change everything about you. It's, I think that's just hard for them to understand. And they're really framing this as the fact that Ryan got to graduate rehab early because he was just so good and he went to the classes when he was in detox. So he like did everything that they needed him to do. <laughs> Okay, it just, it just is insane, and it's just treating the audience as so stupid, and I did like seeing on the, like, Team Mom Facebook page, I'll occasionally read the comments, and everybody was like, this is insane, it makes no sense. (laughs) And, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense that because he went to, like, the groups when he was in detox that they'd be like, okay, cool, like, you can leave early, like, you did everything you had to do. Okay. And they drive back to Tennessee, and this is when I became pretty sure that Ryan did what was called ama which is leaving against medical advice, is that she asked him about the aftercare plan they set up, and he said that they left that up to him. Now, that's not how it works when you get discharged from rehab, as I've been discharged from rehab. And what you do is you go and see your, you like set up a plan with your counselor and you also go and see, usually they have like a specific after plan person who will physically set up where you are going. They never say like it's up to you. Even if like I, when I was in rehab in Florida, like a lot of people were going back to where they came from and they set up IOP for them, intensive outpatient therapy at like the where they lived at the IOP closest to their house. Like they got them registered for it. You just have to show up on this day. Um, now not everybody does it. A lot of people don't do it. Like I remember one person, they set up the IOP for him and he didn't have health insurance. He was there on a scholarship and he's like, so you guys paying for my IOP? (laughs) And they were like, no. And he's like, well, then I, I can't afford to go to that. I don't have health insurance, (laughs) but still they set it up for him and they were like, okay, well, Maybe if you go there, they'll give you a scholarship, but, like, you should still go on the first day. Um, When I left rehab, they set me up with a halfway house, a sober living house, which I was able with my mom to go and visit. Then they had me picked up from the rehab of the sober living house, and I was uh, picked up for IOP the next day uh, that I got, like, on my first day out, or my second day out of rehab. Like, I was picked up by the IOP van to go there. This was all, like, really planned out. There's no, rehabs do not just let you, like, leave without a plan. I mean, you don't have to follow shit. A ton of people leave rehab and get fucking high that day. But the fact is they will never just be like, oh, it's up to you. (laughs) You do you, hon. You have 21 days sober. You know what to do. Because they know that most most addicts, like, just don't have the capacity to set up their own after plan. I mean, how would you even know? Like, what, Ryan's going to know what IOP to call and, like, how to get a substance abuse counselor? No. The idea is, like, they would find the one in Chattanooga. I'm sure Chattanooga has some IOPs. And they would be like, okay, your release day, we're releasing you on, let's say, 
May 29th, 2017. On June 1st, you have your intake appointment at the IOP. Be there at 10 a.m. on June 1st. If that's not going to work for you, here's the phone number once you get home, and you'll call and you'll set up a better intake appointment. But this is the one that we have scheduled for you. Um, that usually will set you up with like a sober living house wherever you want to go. They do not just send people off on their merry way and say, good luck, hope you find an aftercare treatment. And you can tell the fact that Mackenzie knew what an aftercare treatment plan was is that they had talked to her about it. It's clear that her, that the therapist had talked to Mackenzie about the fact that they would give him an aftercare, aftercare plan, which is, she seemed a little surprised if you guys noticed. She was like, what? You don't have an aftercare plan? And I really think Ryan did 21 days and he got bored and was ready to go. I know a lot of people who do that. You go and you're like on board, on board, on board, and then you start feeling better and you're like, I don't need to be here. This is bullshit. I'm going to the same group over and over again. I'm not hearing anything new. Like, what's the point of me being here? Because the reality is treatment is very um, repetitive. You hear the same shit over and over again. In some treatment facilities, like, you do the same groups over and over again, and after a while, you're just like, I'm not learning anything. I definitely felt that way around 21 days. You know, you've been there for three weeks. Each week, you're doing the same thing. You're eating the same food. You're seeing the same people. You're doing the same groups, and you're just like, I'm done with this. There's no way that there's anything else for me to learn. You know, I'm supposed to be here for nine more days But I don't see how I could possibly learn anything else in the nine more days because I've been here for three weeks now and I see how repetitive this is. What you don't understand is that it's not so much about learning, it's about separating yourself from the drug and giving your brain a little more time to heal. So I have a feeling he told the therapist he didn't want to be there anymore and he was leaving because there's no way when he was there he didn't see a million people AMA. Like this is, when you're in in treatment, like, you know how to leave treatment. You see people do it, I mean, often. People are constantly coming in and then leaving because they don't want to be sober, and they realize that. So, yeah, I just, I just don't believe he was, like, discharged on his own. I really believe he decided to leave and didn't tell Mackenzie, I guess. I don't know how much Mackenzie knows about this. So we also hear on this car ride that um, Mackenzie knew nothing and that when she talked to the counselor on the phone, he basically said, like, Ryan's about to die and that it was, like, really shocking for her that, you know, from going from, like, nothing to finding out you're about to die and Ryan's like, well, you don't want to tell people that, which I get. I definitely get. And... They're both basically just going with, like, Mackenzie knew nothing. Ryan did thank Mackenzie for helping him through treatment, which I found legitimately surprising. I cannot believe Ryan had that self-awareness. I will say, I don't think Ryan's much of a manipulator when it comes to his girlfriends. I don't think Ryan cares. I think Ryan manipulates his mom and dad, but I think... For whatever reason, these girls just, like, fall in love with Ryan and want to treat and protect Ryan, and Ryan doesn't give a fuck about trying to please them, and I don't think, I would be shocked if Ryan, like, 
if Ryan has ever really spent a lot of time manipulating women, I think Ryan is that, like, remember, since I just recently watched a Bean Macy special, Ryan was awful to Dallas. Like, she was a little, they made her seem crazy and a little controlling and clingy, but she would, like, call and call and call and he would just, like, turn off his phone. Like, (laughs) Ryan is that guy. Ryan is the guy that withholds. Ryan does not give. We even got a little scene, like, on the last night before they drove where he was, like, being an ass. And Mackenzie was like, oh, I didn't miss this. And she was, like, joking, but I also think being serious. By the way, um, I know I said Mackenzie Edwards is the star of the show and this is a Mackenzie Edwards podcast now. But actually, this is a podcast standing for their dog because he is so fucking cute. I love that dog. He's a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel, which are very cute dogs, although they're kind of dumb, but they're so fucking cute. If you notice when Mackenzie was FaceTiming her friend, she was literally holding him like a child. Like, he was just sitting in, like, the crook of her arm, like, with his head up and, like, his legs out. (laughs) It was so cute. He's always just sitting on someone's lap in the car. He doesn't seem to make any noise. If I get a dog, which... I'm probably not going to. I travel a decent amount. I want to say a lot, but I mean, yeah, I guess I traveled almost like every month this year. I think I figured out I took like 10 trips this year. So I travel like semi-regularly and it's just nice to be able to like go home when I want to go home and not have to worry about like taking a dog with me. But that King King Charles Cavalier Spaniel like really, oh so cute and they're the perfect apartment dogs because they like to just lay like they're not crazy hyper dogs and they just want to chill and like hang out with you and they're I just love it do you guys remember the Ebola dog (laughs) his name was Bentley and I was like very attached to him and he was a King Charles and he remember his owner got Ebola because she was like exposed to it at the hospital she worked at and then they had to quarantine the dog. I was, like, very emotionally attached to Bentley, the Ebola dog. God, those are cute fucking dogs. A uh, fun life fact about me is that I fucking love spaniels. The two dogs that my family's had were a cocker spaniel. My cousin Julia also had a cocker spaniel. And uh, our other dog, our dog now, is a cockapoo, which is half cocker spaniel, half poodle. And I just think spaniels are the best dogs. I just love them. So, yeah, I guess we're all going to believe now that Ryan is just so incredible at rehab that he graduated early and (laughs) that Mackenzie knew absolutely nothing about anything. You know, whatever. So, Ryan is home and he gets to see... He gets to see Jen and Larry, and he even says, like, I'm happy to see Mom and Dad. I'm, like, happy to be back in my life, which is good, I guess. And Macy says, like, she just gets some random text from Ryan, and she, like, didn't even know he was fucking home. And that she wants, like, she just had no idea that he was home. So Ryan tells us, like, he doesn't feel 100%, but he wants to see Bentley. It's his weekend, and he hasn't seen him in three weeks. And Macy's just answering none of his texts or phone calls. He's texted her from Larry or Jen's phone, Max's phone, his phone, left her voicemails, and that if she doesn't let him see Bentley, she's just going, he's just going to show up at her house. And Jen is like, no. And I think Jen is very aware of the cameras this season. I think she knows how poorly she came off last season. 
I think that she does not want to be, hmm, she does not want to be on the side of the addict. As much as she loves Ryan and clearly enables his addiction, I think she has an understanding that Macy is in the right here and appears in the right on TV. I think Jen's pretty aware of that stuff and has learned throughout the years like what the audience is going to think and this scene made it very obvious to me. I also think that Jen genuinely likes Macy. I think that's the case. And I know in the second episode, like, Larry talks mad shit about Macy, which is especially surprising because I thought Larry always liked Macy, but I think Larry, which, by the way, I've been saying for years that Larry is a drunk, and now everybody this week is like, do you think Larry's an alcoholic? And I'm like, yeah, guys, get on Liz's wave. I need everybody to listen to me when I say that somebody has a drug or alcohol problem. I noticed this, like, way, way, way back. Like, I noticed that Larry always seemed pretty drunk in his scenes. I remember in uh, the scene where Macy told them that she was pregnant with Jade. It had to have been, maybe it was Maverick. When she said she was pregnant, I want to say it was with Jade, but did she already have Jade when OG came back? I can't really remember, but it was at least like two seasons ago and she told Larry she was pregnant and he was like, so happy for her, but he was so drunk. And I was like, I feel like he's exceptionally drunk for whatever scene we're watching. I think Larry has an alcohol problem. <laughs> and you know what? I was right. So I know Jen, or Larry was talking a lot of shit on Macy, but I think Je- Macy, Jen, or excuse me, I think Jen genuinely appreciates Macy. She knows Macy is a good mother and she knows how bad Ryan is right now. I think she's very untrusting of Ryan. Jen Jen is an interesting bird to me. I would like to have an honest honest conversation with Jen. I'm, like, very curious about what she actually thinks about everything and what she, you know, like, how she actually perceives the world to be around her, I guess, and how she actually views Ryan. So Ryan's going on and on about how he needs to see Bentley and how Macy doesn't give a shit, and Jen is, like, Okay, well, everyone in your family loves you and supports you, including her. And he was like, I'm just tired of her having full control, which, you know, I will agree with Ryan there. There's no reason that they don't have, that they shouldn't have a court order. They should absolutely have a court order. All of his, yeah, all of his visits should be supervised. They're, it's crazy that they don't have a court order. I'm such a fan of court orders. Like, there's, having one parent have full control just will always bring resentment. It should be in writing. It should be decided in writing so neither person can have this happen. And Ryan can't blame Macy for everything because if she doesn't, if he doesn't take advantage of his visits, then that's his fault. So Jen is like, look, I know you're doing better and you know you're doing better, but Macy probably just wants to make sure that you're doing better now. And Ryan is like, well, I don't know her shit. Which is like, yeah, you do, bud. And Mackenzie is completely silent through this whole thing. Which I found interesting. Because I know in the next episode she goes off because Jen's talking shit. I've, or Larry's talking shit. I think Mac will only talk shit if the others around her are doing it first. <laughs> so we get a clip of, we get Macy talking to Taylor. And she says, Macy has gotten the text. She like, you know, like I said, didn't even fucking know Ryan's home. And she starts getting these texts and that, and 
Taylor's like, well, are they vulgar and threatening? And she's like, yeah. And Macy is like, why does he not just want to have a discussion? Like, and I get what Macy's saying here. Here's the thing. Like, I don't think Macy should be ignoring Ryan. But I do understand her point where, like, they wouldn't even tell her the name of the fucking facility that he was in. She knew nothing about his treatment. Then he gets home and just starts demanding to see Bentley. Now, what Macy wants, and I don't think this is an unreasonable position, is Macy wants Bentley. Bentley. Macy wants Ryan to come home and give her a call and say, hi, I went to rehab. This is where I went to rehab. This is what I did at rehab. Do you want to meet up so that we can talk about the fact that I went to rehab and talk about what this means for our son and what this means for parenting our son and what we do going forward? That's reasonable. The fact is Ryan was doing serious drugs. He was not just partying too much. Ryan had a serious addiction to opiates, whether it have been pills or heroin or whatever the fuck he was doing. Ryan was in a terrible place and Macy saw that fucking driving scene and I really cannot blame her for wanting to have a fucking conversation with Ryan before she sends her kid over there because the reality is Macy does have all the control. Um, Taylor does say like, well, you know, Like, Bentley loves his grandparents, so what are you going to do there? And she's like, I'm not even really sure. But they do understand, like, they're not keeping Bentley from Jen and Larry. That's not their plan. But Macy just doesn't understand why he would only go away for 21 days. She's like, I thought he would go away for, like, six months to a year. Which, yeah, ideally he would go away for six months to a year, but that's not realistic. But he should have went for 90 days. I feel like Ryan could afford it. I feel like MTV would foot the bill for 90 days if he wanted to do it. I'm just, I'm just very, I'm very much on Macy's side here. I don't think she should be straight up ignoring Ryan. I don't really get why she's not answering any of his texts. I think Macy is not the best communicator. You know, it's funny. She like gives Ryan shit for not being a good communicator, but I think she's also not a great communicator, but when it comes down to it, she should just send a text that says, Ryan, you and I need to meet up and have a conversation before you can see your son. I need to know what the fuck is going on in your life. And that's it. And I think that would be fair and make sense. So yeah, I am Team Mackenzie Edwards. And by that, I mean I love watching that monster on my screen because I am missing Matt Bayer this season. <laughs> but Mackenzie is filling that void in my heart. Hey guys, to hear the rest of this week's episode, come on over to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. Thank you all so much. Have a great week. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psychos Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos and come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.